Hope you're having a great morning. You know, it, it's Jam Camp Sunday. It's always a little wild and, and fun. Um, we got a, a pretty traditional sermon coming at you at this point, though. <laughs> so it's going to be, uh, you know, cool if you like that. Maybe not so cool if you don't like that. Um, you know, I was at Jam Camp this year, and I've gotten to do that the last, uh, I don't know, four years. I, I use the excuse that my kids are there, so I'm just going to come every time. It's super fun. Um, but it is, it's just a tremendous blessing to get to witness that. And Emily said a lot of that this morning. But we've seen, you know, already in our, our 25 years, our, our, our vision of from the ground up bearing fruit. And it's incredible to watch your kids grow um, and grow in their love for God and for his church and for his people. And, and so it's just a tremendous thing. And so I, I hope you can... Um, you know, see how important it is to, to see a pile of kids up here that, that love church and their lives are going to be shaped and informed in a way that will be transformative in the future. And so we're only going to keep this going. But uh, it, was, it was a lot of fun. Um, we're going to continue today in our Seeing Jesus sermon series. We've been preaching through um, this one-on-one study and, and taking one, one lesson at a time to discuss. And so um, it, it just so happens there's just a really kid-friendly topic on deck today, suffering. Um, <laughs> it goes right along with the Jam Camp theme. Um, no, they're, they're doing their deal in back, so it's all good. But yeah, we're going to talk about Jesus' suffering today. And, and sort of what that means for us as his followers and, and how we, you know, lean into some of that. Um, Kale said it really well in, in his communion talk. You know, you can't escape the fact that if you're going to follow Jesus, you can expect some suffering. So it is potentially one of those heavy topics, but suffering can certainly be like big or small. And, and so I want you to, to sort of have in mind sort of, any, any kind of suffering. And um, while some of our suffering is, is certainly like just your fault for being dumb or, or my fault, like that's true, um, there is probably greater amounts of suffering that have to do with other things and, and following Jesus himself. And so I want to lean into to that aspect today. Um, but yeah, big or small, it can be those sort of young heartbreaks. It can be those terrible, like sudden cancer diagnoses that we hear about where someone's just knocked off their feet and you got two weeks to live. You know, we had a, a guy in small group shared one of those about a family friend recently. Just uh, a standard sort of dermatologist check turned into you've got some wicked leukemia and maybe a couple weeks. Suffering comes in all shapes and sizes. And so, um, you know, there's a, a singer-songwriter guy that, that I like to listen to, but he's got a wild story that's really inspired some of his work. Um, one of his best friends uh, murdered in his bedroom, in his home, uh, randomly, cold case, completely unsolved, no idea. And it's just like, life just, life will hit us. And um, some of that, you know, we can sort of take an Ecclesiastes route and just chalk up to, you know, sin and death are, are still reigning, and it's just going to slap us in the face sometimes. 
But others, you know, Jesus has some very clear words for us about our suffering and how to deal with that and, and what it can do for us and, and for our good. It really is one of those upside-down realities that we find in Christ. You know, if you look at the cross, so here we have on display his apparent weakness, but in reality, it's the clearest picture of true power. You know, his apparent loss and defeat in that execution was actually his victory over the spiritual forces of evil. You know, somehow his death defeated death. You know, this is the, the nature of the, the upside-down gospel. And then his suffering and our own suffering somehow is good. And so I want to really make just two points today that we'll sort of walk through. One, as a disciple of Christ, you are called to suffer. And two... That's okay, because Jesus suffers with you. Um, In John 16, Jesus said it like this, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So the call to follow Jesus certainly is a call to suffer uh, at some point in time, to take up our cross and, and follow him, to deny ourselves, to be a disciple of Christ is to suffer. But... Somehow, like there is joy and comfort and contentment to be found in the midst of suffering. Somehow suffering can be for our good, and somehow suffering brings us closer to God. And even when there is no good reason for your suffering, and you know, when, when good, godly people suffer and wicked people flourish, When there's no answers for your pain or your disease or your heartache, we, as Christians, unlike any other religion, unlike interacting with any other God, we have a Savior who comes down and suffers with us in those moments. And so we can rejoice and take heart in that intimacy with Him. So, the first point, we're called to suffer I want to read through the, the verses in, in this lesson. And so there's a passage from John 19, which is, you know, one of the, the gospel crucifixion passages. And um, I'm going to read verses 1 through 7 and then skip down and, and read uh, 17 through 19. This is when uh, the, the leaders of, of the Jewish people have captured Jesus and taken him to uh, Pilate and are asking the Romans to crucify him. It says, So Pilate then took Jesus and had him flogged, beaten. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and placed it on his head and put a purple cloak on him. And they repeatedly came up to him and said, Hail, King of the Jews, and slapped him in the face again and again. And then Pilate came out again and said to them, See, I'm bringing him out to you so that you will know I find no grounds at all for charges in his case. And Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate said, Behold, the man. So when the chief priests and the officers saw him, they shouted, saying, Crucify, crucify. But Pilate said, Take him yourselves and crucify him. I find no grounds for charges in his case. 
The Jews answered him, though, he said, We have a law, and by that law he ought to die, because he made himself out to be the Son of God. And so it goes on, eventually they convince Pilate to have him crucified. And so the Romans, they took Jesus, therefore, he went out carrying his own cross to the place called the place of the skull, which in Hebrew is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two other men, one on either side, and Jesus in between. Now Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It was written, Jesus the Nazarene, the King of the Jews. Clearly we're we're familiar with this and the other gospel accounts. But this, um, to put simply, this is our king's coronation. This is how he was exalted and lifted up and, and crowned king of all creation. Suffering on our behalf and guiltless at that. And so, you know, I want you to think through the the context of what we're preaching here, that that one-on-one study. And when you're sitting one-on-one with someone, you know, as y'all would be going through this, this is just the perfect place to point out how great God's love for us really is. How great God's love for, for you is. You know, the Bible from start to finish shows that significant love that he has for us. But obviously this moment of just severe passion and suffering on the cross puts it on display. Um, Paul in Romans says like this, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So this is the basics. We know we're familiar with Jesus' suffering. Um, The next passage really points it our direction. So this is from Mark chapter 8, 34 through 37. Uh, Jesus is here. He summoned the crown together, the crowd together with his disciples, and said to them, If anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's will save it. For what does it benefit a person to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what could a person give in exchange for his soul? So, this is the call of of every Christian. This is the call to follow Christ. And it's a following in light of of how he lived. And specifically, Jesus calls out the, the need to suffer, to deny ourselves and to pick up our own crosses and follow him in light uh, of that severe suffering that, that he faced for us. Um, in Matthew 10, you know, it, talking to his disciples, he, he said it like this, that a, a student should, should not be above his master. And if the world treated Jesus this way, how do you expect they're going to treat you if you look like me? And that is uh, a sentiment that is repeated Early and often through the New Testament and all the epistles, there's this very clear picture that I think is is hard for us to grasp sometimes, that if you live like Jesus, you're going to face some trouble. Uh, Almost to the extent that if if we haven't faced some of that persecution in a while, it, it could be appropriate to ask, am I living like Jesus? Or do I look just like the world around us? And so none of this is a call to go out and find suffering. 
right? It'll find you. And, and good, peaceful times fit within this as well. But it is uh, a recognition and a call to daily deny ourselves, to daily take up our cross and, and do our very best to follow Jesus, fully expecting that that might not go well for us at all times. You know, he said, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So, so following Jesus is signing up for suffering. This, again, thinking that, that one-on-one setting, this is one of those count-the-cost moments. We, we want people to understand what we're asking them to sign up for. Um, you know, to ask one another, are you willing to follow Jesus when these are the terms? To sacrifice, to deny our own desires, to, to work the effort to try and shape them in partnership with the Spirit into God's desires. To fight against sin and selfishness and greed and lust and, and everything that uh, vies for our attention and our allegiance. It, uh, it's important. To consider, and, and that consideration is not a, a one-time-only decision. It's a decision we need to be asking ourselves uh, every day, each morning as we get up. You know, 10, 20, 30 years into your walk with God, are you still willing to take up your cross? Are you still willing to actively deny yourself over and over? The, the same list of questions. Um, you know, this is a, a journey, certainly a process. You know, we... We know, we, we live it out. Like, sin is ever-present. There's not a, a perfect one here. Um, and it can require some, some pretty brutal suffering battles to, to do our best to, to overcome some of that. And so, these are certainly hard questions, I think, to face. But it's good for us to, to do so from time to time. Um, one, because we are, like, pros we, we are so good at avoiding suffering um like that's that's how we build our lives we are so good at avoiding just about anything that's uncomfortable we we, we build our, our homes and and our jobs or activities around like what's good and, and that in and of itself again that that's not bad but we have a tendency to run away from suffering and I guarantee you, many of those times, Jesus meant you to stay and face it. And your running away is missed out on a blessing he had in store for you. Um, we get in really bad habits when we start looking out for, for only our comfort, and we end up looking like the world rather than our master. And so that's, that's the... Uh, the discrepancy that, that we all have to fight against, the paradox in our own lives. As we say we're striving to follow Jesus, the constant challenge to look more and more like him and live like him. I, um, I've been reading uh, a pretty famous book, the, the Cost of Discipleship, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Um, a lot of Christian circles love this book. A lot of y'all ha- have read it. If you haven't, I would totally recommend it. But I thought I wanted to read a couple quotes from there because I think he, he lays this out really well in, in a a phrase he coined, he, he calls cheap grace versus costly grace. Um, you know, he was a German pastor and theologian in the time of World War II, a pretty famous opponent, anti-Nazi, eventually imprisoned in a concentration camp and executed. 
for his efforts there. Um, in the midst, some prior, he wrote a lot of significant theological works that, that Christians still find super valuable today. So, he says this about what he calls cheap grace. Cheap grace means grace sold on the market like cheap Jack's wares. The sacraments, the forgiveness of sin, and the consolations of religion are thrown away at cut prices. Grace is represented as the church's inexhaustible treasury from which she showers blessings with generous hands without asking questions or fixing limits. Grace without price, grace without cost. And he, lots of pages to to nuance this. Grace is a free gift. But he goes on. Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. It's baptism without church discipline. It's communion without confession. It's absolution without personal confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, grace without Jesus Christ living and incarnate. And I would dare to say that that a life that refuses to follow in Christ's suffering falls into this trap. He explains the other side of, of what he calls costly grace. This is another quote. It is the kingly rule of Christ, for which sake a man will pluck out the eye which causes him to stumble. It is the call of Jesus Christ at which the disciple leaves his nets and follows him. Such grace is costly because it calls us to follow, but it's grace because it calls us to follow Jesus. It's costly because it costs a man his life. It's grace because it gives a man the only true life. It's costly because it condemns sin. It's grace because it justifies the sinner. Above all, it's costly because it costs God the life of his son. You were bought at a price. And what has cost God much cannot be cheap for us. Above all, it is grace because God did not reckon his son too dear a price to pay for our life, but delivered him up for us. Costly grace is the incarnation of God. Yeah, we were bought with the price. Grace is not cheap. It demands we follow Jesus and it calls us to suffer like he did. And so I want us to, to sit in that for a minute. And I'm even going to give you, you know, a bit of silence. I, I want us to, to consider and, and ask ourselves those, those difficult questions. Like, how am I shaping my life to truly look like Jesus. And as I call myself a disciple and a Christian, um, how are my efforts with taking up my cross daily? How does it look like? You know, how, how are we doing in denying ourselves, denying um, our sinful desires, and working effort and, and hard you know, stuff to, to point that to Christ? So, I'm going to pray and give you a few seconds to to sit in that. God, would you please just sort of show us um, where we're doing here? Could you give us insight into um, this tremendous call to to follow you? Spirit, please please guide us and and point out to us, you know, one one or two things that, that we could... 
um, shine a light on and, and make a renewed effort to follow you in. God, give us the, the boldness uh, that it takes to, to live like you do um, in, in settings and, and in cultures that can be very much against your way, God. God, please partner with us here. As we, we strive to, to pour in our effort, we know that alone is useless. And only in partnership with your spirit can we really make headway here. So please be with us as, as we strive to, to follow you, God. Amen. So this certainly is a, a hard call. And at times, maybe it could be good just to leave it here. And, and all of you need to go away and, and figure out how to better follow Christ and take up your cross. But I think it, it is only part of the picture. Because he, you, know, you will have trouble, but take heart. Like, I have overcome the world. Um, he guarantees trouble, but then he says, Come to me, you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And... Um, the New Testament, like if you just go to any, you know, Bible Gateway or Bible Hub and, and search for Suffer, um, you're going to get a tremendous amount of hits. And um, it, it is a good exercise just to, to read through all those. I, I picked just a small portion because the, the, uh, the early church, the apostles and the disciples' reaction to suffering is so challenging. And, and leans into this idea that it, it's okay because God's got it. But so in James 1, he says, Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Consider it joy that the suffering you face. Acts chapter 5 is just this incredible story, sort of the back half of the chapter. But the, uh, some of the apostles were arrested by the Sadducees for just continuing to preach and sort of causing trouble in Jerusalem through that. And um, they were arrested. They were beaten. They were told to quit preaching. They stood up boldly like, no, we, we can't obey you. we got to obey God. And um, so after they were beaten, they were finally just like, get out of here. Don't ever preach again. And they like threw a party. It says the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering, disgrace for the name. Like, that is challenging. Have you ever just, you know, faced a, a significant hardship and walked away like, whew, that's the coolest thing ever. I'm, I'm rejoicing. Like, I am worthy of that. God deemed me worthy of that suffering. That is a... That's a paradigm shift that we need to, to continue to, to try and make. We see suffering as, as only bad and damaging and to be avoided at all costs. Um, that's not what the, the scripture is laying out here. Um, you know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul famously leans into to suffering early and often, multiple stays in prison, beatings, all of that. But he says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, because he comforts us in our times of troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. 
For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. So here he is again, like rejoicing in the fact that you might have opportunity to be comforted by God. And and seeing tremendous blessing in that, that comfort that can only come if you need it, if you are suffering. But through that comfort, um, you'll be able to comfort anyone else in trouble through the very comfort that, that God gives you. Because as we share in the sufferings of Christ, we also share in the comfort that abounds through Christ. There's a, there's a sort of reciprocal nature here. And this is where it really starts to lean into uh, a greater intimacy with God that, that seemingly, according to Paul, can, can only be found as we begin to share in his sufferings. And so, again, it, it's a challenge and, and a, a reality check to, to sort of face our own reactions to, to tough times and, um, and strive to see what God is up to and, and what good may come of this. In, in Hebrews 2, this is verse 18, um, Jesus himself suffered when he was tempted. Therefore, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Like, this is a significant point. And just the, the hugely you know, theological significance of the reality that, that God became man, that Jesus is incarnate. The experience that he put himself through is of like the utmost meaning for us if we'll lean into that. You know, we think so often we are alone in our suffering or no one no one knows what I'm going through or what's going on and and there's some truth in some of that. It, situations are quite unique. But we all understand suffering. We've to some extent or not, we we've felt it. Some of us much more than others and that's not fair. But that is what it is. We uh we have a savior who knows it beyond any of us and is just begging for you to turn to him in those moments so that he can comfort you and shape you and and turn you out better than you were before armed with with blessings you can share with other people and so to know that he suffered and because of that part of what he's up to at the right hand of God interceding for us even now is to facilitate our path through this this crazy world that will bring suffering. So, you know, he suffered on the cross. We read that earlier. But recognize that's that's sort of the final, you know, big deal. But he suffered in a million ways. You know, he's rejected by the people that he came to save. You know, that that uh, triumphal in, entry, the, the last week before his crucifixion when he comes to Jerusalem for the last time, like he's weeping over the city because he, he knows like what they've chosen. They have rejected him and it's not going to go well for them. And he is heartbroken. You know, he was misunderstood by his friends constantly, just like reiterating all these truths. And he's like, how long have we been together? You still don't know. Um, eventually abandoned by most of his friends when he was arrested. Um, and then one of his best friends denying him on and on. You know, the prophets um, spoke prophetically that he would be a man of sorrows, and he was. 
So he is absolutely able to help us in any way, shape, or form. Um, so, this idea that he suffers with us. I, uh, there's this song I really like. It's not a very famous song, but there's a lyric I wanted to share with you. It's John Mark McMillan. It's called The Road, The Rocks, and The Weeds. If you care to know, you should check it out, though. It's pretty great. But um, it's a song that, that kind of riffs on that parable of the sower, the road, the walk, rock, and the weeds, and, uh, and pictures Jesus as that word going out, like um, comparing him to, to these gods in Olympus and all the pristine, never-coming-down gods were our Savior. No, he doesn't just come down. He comes down and is, is spread on the road, the rocks, and the weeds, and, and he suffers for us. But there's still like unanswered questions in all of this. So the line I really like, it goes like this. It says, well, I've got no answers for heartbreaks or cancers, but a Savior who suffers them with me. And that's a, that's a, a truth. Like we will face suffering that seemingly just has no answer. And, and certainly the Bible... Um, gives us answers, big picture of why sin, why evil. It's the only real answer for some of the just atrocities that that we see in our existence. But it's still, you know, when you get you personally, like why me? Why is this allowed? You know, sometimes all you can do is say, I I don't know, but I've got a, a Savior who suffers it with me. And so we take heart that he's overcome it and he's going to see us through it. And, um, you know, that's a powerful thing. When we're told to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn, like we need to lean in to to each other's sufferings. That's a, a constant call I sort of make in different fashions up here because we're so private. Our culture, we're just so good, you know, so individualistic. Um, we got to pick ourselves up by our bootstraps. You know, we, our suffering is shameful, so we don't share it. And, and too often, you're going at way too much alone. And so just the, the call there, business as usual, share. Like, be vulnerable, get help. Um, you know, one of the ways I, uh, I saw this recently, it's just... It's, uh, it's one of those maybe little sufferings outside of you know, some bigger picture, but, but for her, it, it was the whole suffering. And this is my daughter, Madison. So uh, at jam camp, and really it, it's just it's been building up, but she's got these two friends that are a year older than her, and it was their last jam camp. And so this is just like hitting her that like I won't have them in class. And that is killing her. Like, utmost suffering for a 10-year-old girl. And so she'll run to, to Amy or I at different times. It's like, what do you do? You can speak all the, the big picture truth. This means nothing to her. Um, like, no, she, she can get around it. She can see some stuff. But it doesn't ease the pain, like the heartbreak. And so we just we have to lean in together. And it's like, look. There aren't always answers, but, but God knows, and he's suffering this with you. And he feels this deeper than you do. Um, he loves those girls more than you do. He loves you more than anyone else can love you. He knows what you're feeling. 
And so we, we run to him. And, you know, that, it, uh, it helps her some. And, and she's going to be just fine. And, you know, whatever. But it's like we all have these. I, uh, I'm a very heartfelt person. Um, this is like my baby boomer dad taught me how to not cry. Sorry, dad. Uh, I, uh, my whatever is to escape the tears welling up in me. Um, but this is, like, it's just reality. And, and so we can, as adults, we're like, look, you're going to be okay. And that's true. And her friends aren't going anywhere. Um, but still, there, there is real pain and real suffering that we need to, to take to the cross and that we need to share with one another and, and build each other up, help carry those burdens. And, um, and so... It is a a sort of paradoxical reality that we are called to follow Jesus in a way that he guarantees will be extremely difficult at times. He promises you will suffer. And he asks you to step into that, to expect it, to pick up your own cross and look like your master. But that's not it. He, He doesn't leave you there. He, uh, he calls you, in Matthew 11, that line I said earlier, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So it is, it is, it is easy and light, and it is the hardest thing ever. And it is both of those at the same time. And um, we got to deal with that. And so we have a Savior who's ready and willing to deal at that with us, and we just need to, to do it. And so, again, to sort of wrap up, bring us back to this kind of one-on-one context, we, uh, people suffer a lot, and, and especially outside of Christ, in a way that they don't have all the easy answers and maybe not have a good community. And all of a sudden, suffering can look very different without God. And, um, and some of that pain like, is just legit baggage that is a huge barrier to an individual's accepting of, of God and what he's up to. And so this is one of those crucial moments in, in a study or, or with a friend or whoever to impress that like, God is good. And there are answers for pain and suffering. And even when you can't get to your specific answer, like he is suffering with you. There is no pain or hurt you can't bring in here and be comforted in. And so Jesus, through his suffering and his invitation, is the absolute best and only way to find true relief and true salvation and goodness. And so pain... You've heard it all before. It's purposeful in a, a million different ways. But even, you know, in a kingdom perspective, we have to help people point their pain towards God and turn from anger and excuses to realization that He is good. He suffers with you, and He wants to give you rest and comfort in that. So, I think I'm going to end there. That's all I got for today. Uh, I want to pray us out. 
and, uh, and ask God to, to help us embody this, and, and then we'll, we'll head out. God, you truly are um, the only one worthy of our allegiance, of our worship, and um, we just want to recognize today uh, the call that you've given us to, to follow you in, in a cruciform life, to, to pick up our own crosses and to deny ourselves daily over and over again, to suffer in the struggle that it is in, in this world. And so we, we want to commit to you again that that's what we're about and that's what we agree to. And we also just beg you to, to help us in that. We know we can't do any of it alone and we desperately need um, you know, your gentle and humble heart and we need that rest to, to carry on in this life. So... Uh, Spirit, be with us as we go. Help us take this good news to the world around us. Amen. Have a great day.